This episode is sponsored by Faith, Hope, and Connection, a 30-day devotional for adoptive and foster parents. So if you are a foster or adoptive parent feeling like you need some more hope for this really complex journey, or you're feeling really discouraged or misunderstood, you're going to want to jump into this book that has real, often raw stories from adoptive and foster parents in the trenches. It has scripture and faith-filled hope pointing you to Jesus and really honest reflections to speak courage to your soul and remind you that you are, in fact, not alone. This devotional has contributions from 30 authors, all foster and adoptive parents, who offer a window into their own lives and families. You're going to recognize yourself time and time again in their words. Faith, Hope, and Connection, a 30-day devotional for adoptive and foster parents, is truly a treasure trove of wisdom and grace for foster and adoptive families. You can grab your copy from Amazon. It comes in paperback or Kindle version. Search for Faith, Hope, and Connection, or head to the show notes for this episode for a quick link. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Hey, friends. Welcome to episode 138 of the Adoption Connection podcast. In honor of Father's Day this month, we're devoting the entire month to a series we're calling Dad Connection. For each of the five Tuesdays, we featured a different foster or adoptive dad. Here at the Adoption Connection, we value hearing from a wide range of voices, and we are so excited to bring these special dad conversations to you. This is our last one, which we're a little sad about. So if you missed the first four, make sure you go back and catch them because they were all fantastic. Yes. So our final interview is with our friend, Ryan North. Ryan and his wife, Kayla, have six children. They spent 10 years as foster parents and learned many of the things that they share with families, churches, and schools, just simply being a family. He is the co-founder of One Big Happy Home and is considered an expert on childhood trauma and its impacts. He speaks at churches, schools, conferences, and retreats nationwide. And together, he and his wife, Kayla, have developed training materials and programs for churches, schools, and parents, educating them on trauma and its impacts. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ryan Moore. Well, hello, Ryan. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Hey, Lisa. Thank you for having me on with you. Yeah, we're really excited about this month of featuring dads for every episode. And we, you were at the very top of our list, I will have to say. Oh, that, that's very sweet of you to say. And I am, as a dad, thrilled that, um, that you want to feature dads. Because a lot of times, and you and I have talked about this before, uh, sort of the, the inroad into into this world is, is more often than not through mom. Uh, I remember when we first started training parents, we'd ask, why, why, are, you, why are you wanting to take this course uh, live in the room? And and the moms would always give give a really heartfelt like you know I want to reach my child's heart I and mean, we're really struggling I want to find out how to connect and and all and all the kinds of things that, that that you might expect somebody to say sometimes moms even cried and then we'd look at the dad and say well why were you and like eighty percent of the time he'd say my wife said I had to come yeah <laughs> so 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 I love that, that that we're engaging dads and 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 you know and and, and calling dads up to 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 higher. Uh, involvements and, and responsibility and understanding in this because um, because because we play a, an important part. That's not self-serving to say that. Dads play an important part, and I think for too long, 
some of us have abdicated that responsibility in parenting and and I think we should reclaim it. So thank you for being part of the reclaiming of that. Yeah, well, it's a, it's definitely our privilege. We're excited about it. So tell us who makes up your family. Okay, so um, we'll start with my lovely bride. Um, she is the only one whose age I won't share on this because for obvious reasons. So my wife, Kayla, uh, we uh, celebrated our 19th wedding anniversary uh, in January of, of 2021. And then our uh, oldest is our son, Tyler. He is 18. Um, he came home about three months before his fourth birthday. And then our next is Tori. She's 16. She was four months old uh, when she came home. Then there's Josh, who is 13. He just turned 13 uh, in January as well, coincidentally. And he was had just turned four when he came home. Uh, and then our fourth child is Brooklyn. She's 12. She is our first bio kiddo. Uh, and obviously, she came home the day after she was born. And then uh, there is Addison, who will be 10 in June of this year. She was uh, about nine months old when she came home. Uh, her and Josh are, are, are biological siblings. And then our youngest is Libby, who is eight. Uh, and she is um, she's a bio kiddo as well. So we spent eight to 18. And we went from three to six kids in six months, um, one year. So that's a lot. That's a, that yeah. must have been a very big adjustment. So yeah. you actually started your family as foster parents, right? Yes. Can you... Can you tell us about your decision to foster and how you and Kayla kind of navigated that? Who, which one of you had the big idea? Tell us a little bit about that. So I love telling the story because um, adoption and foster care is a thread that runs through both sides of our family. On my side of the family, uh, my dad um, went to go live with his uncle and aunt when he was um, before his first birthday. And so, you know, there was, there was nothing official or legal in, in, in regards to that. But those are the only grandparents I ever knew, my, my dad's um, uncle and aunt. And we called them mama and papa. Um, they, were, they were his parents. Today, we would call that a kinship placement. But no such thing existed in the early 1950s when this happened. So, so, so there, there is that. Plus, plus, my grandmother was, you know, my dad and I were talking about her the other, other day. Um, she's the, the kindest person I've, I've ever heard of in, in my whole life. And, and I sometimes, even though she, she passed 32 years ago, I still sometimes look at my children and have a, a little bit of sadness for, for them that they didn't get to know her. Um, she was an extremely uh, influential person on, on how we viewed the world. But one of the other things she did is, is all the boys in the neighborhood um, when when they were maybe in their teen years getting into trouble, she 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 very kindly intervened in their lives, uh, and and really tried to help the boys. And, and so when we first encountered this this kind of parenting, um, the first time I ever heard Karen Purvis speak, she said, and I'll never forget this. She said, "There's nothing special about the work we're doing. We just remember the way our grandmothers treated us, and we're trying to do that." And, and and so that is such a great marker in my memory, Lisa, because because it, it really kind of centers me when when we're drifting from what we're supposed to do. Because I just remember the way my grandmother treated treated me. Uh, on Kayla's side of the family, her grandparents were were missionaries for a while. They were foster parents for a while. And so when we got married, 
uh, we had this discussion about you know leading up to it like like i thought like i need to know how many children this this person wants before we we stand in front of the church by the preacher and uh and so in the midst of those conversations we both discovered that the other person um wanted to 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 adopt we both came to marriage wanting to adopt purely based on uh on our family histories and then she she worked as a nanny in college, and uh, one of those families uh, adopted from China while she worked for them. So she was part of, of of all of that happening and taking place. And I remember going with her to the airport when the family came home. So it's a thread that's woven into our lives. Uh, and then we decided, well, well, should we should we adopt first? Should should we we you know try to have kids to, biologically first? And then we made the decision. Um, to that we were going to adopt um, and, and that we wanted to do that first. And then that kind of morphed into, as we got into that, that we decided that we wanted to, to become foster parents and then adopt from the foster care system in Texas. So, so that's kind of the genesis of it. So that's kind of unique that you and Kayla came to this sort of equally simultaneously. It, that's a, I don't know that I hear that story all that often, you know, do you, do you find that that's a little bit unique? Yeah, I, I actually find that to be very unique. Um, but but you know, to 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 sound biblical on it, when we were kind of equally yoked in that in that regard, right? But but yeah, we don't we don't often hear that story. Uh, the story we hear more often is is we 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 raised a family and now we we're adopting, or we 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 try to have a family and that didn't and that didn't happen, so we're going to adopt. Um, or, you know, the, we have a family, we see a need in the community, we're going to become full licensed as foster parents. So those are the stories we typically see. Um, but, but, but the reason that, because we were still going back and forth, Lisa, on, on whether we wanted, how we wanted to start our family. And so I, I was born in, in South Africa and, and I had gotten her to agree that we wouldn't have kids until we went and visited South Africa together. And we were there for three weeks and our last day in the country, you know, she, she had got a bunch of information from adoption agencies. And after, you know, we went from on the flight out of Dallas the night when we went, um, I was about to watch a movie on the plane. And she said, no, 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 I, I have, I have stuff for you to read and sent some info, a bunch of information packets from agencies and said, pick one by the time we land. Uh, and so we were out there still kind of struggling with it, um, which way to proceed. And we went, um, on a boat ride out, out to, you know, if anybody watches Shark Week or where Air Jaws was filmed. Um, and so we went on this boat ride. Well, this boat operator every Wednesday let, uh, we found out afterwards, let, let a local orphanage bring like, you know, eight kids at a time and would take them out there for free just as part of his service to the community. And so we ended up sitting right near these eight kids on the boat. And the thing was interesting about them is that with eight kids, uh, they had two adults with them caring for them. But all of these kids had some type of physical disability. Uh, some of them were in wheelchairs. Some of them were walking with, with like braces on their legs. Some of them had like crutches. It was about 30 minutes out to where we went and then 30 minutes back. All the way back, they sang the whole time. They sang the whole time. And, 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 and I was really moved when I thought, okay, here are these kiddos who are growing up in an orphanage. They have physical disabilities, and they're filled with joy. And I almost couldn't reconcile those 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 three things in, in my mind. And I actually ended up uh, videoing them singing. We we have it somewhere. The, you know, this is in two thousand and four. So 
I had a can, like a, a handheld camcorder and I didn't have a telephone or anything to do with it. But we ended up videoing these kids because it was so beautiful. And we got off the, the boat and, and as we got in the car and we both turned to each other and at the same time said, I think we're supposed to adopt. And so that kind of, that kind of sealed the deal for us. Um, and, and that ends up being part of our story. And that's, that's quite literally why we made the decision to build our family through adoption first. That's a wonderful story. So you already mentioned uh, Dr. Purvis, who we both have great admiration for and appreciated her and all the work that she did for all of us. Tell me about sort of your, your journey of learning about connected parenting and beginning to live it out in your family. Like I mentioned, um, I think I mentioned my my wife um, nannied for a couple of families while she was in, in college, you know, while she hadn't ever been a parent, she certainly um, had a better understanding of how to, of how to um, supervise children for lack of a better term and how to take care of them than, than I did. I mean, I, I had no, no idea um, about any of that kind of stuff. And so we became parents and, and I, and, and, and part of why I, I'm grateful that we're focusing more, more, that you're wanting to focus on dads this month is because I was the dad who had really sort of abdicated his responsibility as a parent to his wife. And so, and so my life can either serve as a cautionary tale or an inspirational tale because, because there is movement in the right direction. It is possible, but I was really, you know, leaning very heavily on on Kayla during this time. Um, And then, you know, and then our, our daughter who came in with four months old, um, you know, she was, she was a, a micro preemie. So there obviously was some medical issues there, but, it, but, but we didn't understand anything about, about, about trauma, about in utero experiences or anything. We were just like, this baby came home from the hospital. Everything's fantastic. Right. And so, and, and part of that was, you know, it was really managing her feeding and medication schedule and doctor's appointments. Right. I mean, that was my understanding of what it took to be a parent. Well, then Tyler arrives. And he's almost four years old and he like knows people we don't know. And there's information about his story that we don't know. And he has thoughts and he has feelings. And, and you know, in about three months after he came home, um, things started to change uh, very negatively in terms of his behaviors. Um, and, and I remember, um, you know, like I said, I was born in South Africa, part of the British Commonwealth. Drinking hot tea is very important to me. It's ritualistic. And so every night after we'd put the kids to bed, uh, we'd go down and have hot tea together and just kind of hang out a little bit. So I went downstairs. She was you know, singing, um, singing to him and rocking him. And I went downstairs, made the tea, and there was no sign of her. And so I went upstairs to look for her, and she was sitting outside of his bedroom door crying, just absolutely sobbing. And, and I sat down next to her and put my arm around her shoulder. She leaned her head on me and, and I said, babe, what's going on? What, what happened? And she said, I don't know how to help him. And I, and I think that, that for anybody who, who's been involved in a recovery program or has, or knows anybody involved in a recovery program, I mean, we really had to enter per, parental recovery. And, and the genesis of that was us admitting that that we were helpless to help ourselves. And, and so she called a friend of hers, uh, Amanda and said, um, 
because Amanda, um, her and her husband had adopted from foster care as well. Um, and so um, she called Amanda and told Amanda of her struggles. And she, Amanda invited her to, to something um, called tapestry. And, and, and my wife said, what's that? She got, and Amanda looked at her quizzically and said, that's the, uh, that's the adoption and foster care ministry at the church you attend. Like we had no idea that our church had an adoption and foster care ministry. So we got involved in that. Um, and, and, you know, one of the resources that had just come out that, that they were pushing pretty hard was the connected child. Um, we read that we were asked because at the time, well, like, like a lot of people don't remember, like, like, you know, Karen Purvis is Karen Purvis, but Karen Purvis wasn't always Karen Purvis. You know, um, you may remember when, when that book first came out that the churches really wanted nothing to do with it because it wasn't addressing corporal punishment specifically. There weren't Bible verses in it. And so we were asked to read it and then write a review from the point of view. And they said, look, if you're as Christian parents, if you see the heart of God in these pages, we'd like you to review this book from that standpoint. And so we did. Uh, and that really kind of opened our eyes. It opened our eyes to in utero trauma. It opened our eyes to a lot of things. Um, again, my wife was all in. I was like, oh, that sounds like a lot of hugs, Kayla, even though that's not really specifically addressed. Because I was raised in a, in a, in a, in a do this or else kind of environment. And, and the book is, is counter to the do this or, or, or else environment. And at the time, um, you know, some new things were happening. Um, Tapestry had worked with, with Karen directly to create something called Empower to Connect. At the, at the time, it was, it, was, it was part of what Tapestry was doing. Um, it's independent now. Um, and then, and then the, the curriculum was created, and we were asked to pilot it at the curriculum. So we were one of eight families that went through the class. Karen actually came to class. So we got to meet her and get to know her that way. Uh, and then um, in the course of all of that, um, TCU was doing a neurotransmitter study. And our, our daughter, who's now 16, um, they asked if, if she would participate. And they said, look, we want to track if we want to measure all, all these neurotransmitters, um, which is really eye-opening for us because we didn't know much about it at the time. Um, and we want you to parent um, exclusively this way for 12 months to see if this makes an actual change in a child's brain at a chemical level. So we were really committed to doing it that way. And that really kind of was sort of the, the threw us in the deep end of this because we had agreed to do it. Um, and then, of course, we made the decision, well, if we're going to parent the three-year-old this way, we're going to parent a seven-year-old. I forget how old they were at the time. Um, the brother, Tyler, is older than her. We're going to parent them both this way and started to see really, really great. Um, started to see some change, um, not just in the kids, but in us. And so that's kind of the genesis of us making that shift. Obviously, Karen Purvis and her work and the work of the Institute also changed our family and our lives in so many ways. So how has this whole journey of fostering and adopting shaped your life? And I know that is a big question. You could go lots of directions, but it has shaped so many aspects of your life. You know, it, it, it's positive and and. and and, and then some negatives that became positive. So I want to talk about the negatives that became positives because it, it, it's, it's the reality of our lives. It's also our jobs. And so, and so there was never any break from it, which was the negative. The positive then is that, is that somebody, some outside advice was given to us 
and, and say, like, you guys need to disconnect from this. You guys need to find something that you like to do together, that you may like to do as individuals. It has nothing to do with, with parenting or, or helping other families. Um, and so my love of, of the guitar was rekindled. All of my guitars at the time, I have seven of them, were all in guitar cases in closets and under beds. I hadn't played them in years. And I just took it out of the bed and from under the bed and started playing them again. Um, Kayla loves to read, and, and she had really neglected anything she was reading was some book that would help her better understand trauma, attachment, or the brain. Um, she now reads reads books that have nothing to do with that. Um, she consumes them, um, and, and so we. The positive that that it, that it helped us with there is it helped us understand that we need to have healthy boundaries. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm grateful for that because having healthy boundaries is something that, that everybody needs. So, so that's a positive, net positive change for us. The other way it changed our lives was because of, of, of the request, the requirement, excuse me, that we had a parent with these connected parenting principles for a year to see if it made a difference at, at, at a, at a neurotransmitter level. So my wife said, look, um, in order for us to be honest, I'm going to journal about this. I would encourage you to journal as well. And I'm like, journaling? Haven't you heard of these new handy-dandy things called blogs? And so we actually started a blog that we just called One Big Happy Home. It was kind of Kayla's prophetic word. Um, we, we had two children at the time, um, two, three children uh, at the time, and you know, two and an infant. And, and I think, you know, she's always wanted six kids. And so she was naming it and claiming it there with one big happy home. Uh, and so we wrote about that, um, on, on the blog, uh, for a while. It was just, it's just us basically having a shared space. Um, cause blogs at the time were basically online journals, right? And so it's just a shared space for us to talk about our struggles and, 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 and our successes and kind of just sort of therapeutic, really. Well, well, somebody, um, that Kayla knows, um, you know, read, read one of them and she passed it on um, to Michael Monroe who had started Tapestry and Empower to Connect. And, and he read it and he asked us if we would, um, if we would speak at, at a conference, at the Tapestry conference that year, uh, we agreed. Uh, we did that. And then he also asked if they could actually um, use the content on, on their blog. Uh, then he called me and he said, Hey, I showed Karen your writing and she likes it. And her and I want you guys to write for Empower to Connect. And so, um, as you know, Lisa, because some of your writings featured there as well, um, that, that's an enormous audience. Everything we do professionally now, my, my wife is the executive director of Tapestry. Uh, we turned One Big Happy Home into a company where we create, create curriculum and classes and coaching and, and we have the, the podcast that you've been on before with us, um, all of that under there. And then I also have a job as director of training and development for a large child placing agency in Dallas, Fort Worth. And so, I mean, it changed the trajectory of our family. It changed the trajectory of our careers. It changed everything about our lives. And it allows us now to tell people like, look, it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. It's hard. But if you will, 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 will hang in there, if you will consistently do these things over time, you will see the positive change. You cannot have a short-term view of this. It's helped us in relationship uh, with our children, obviously. It's helped us in relationship with our parents. I understand my dad and mom uh, a lot better than I did before. 
Uh, she understands her mom and dad a lot better than we did before. It's allowed us to have a lot of grace for them, some of the mistakes they made in our childhood. Uh, and, and, and just, it's just been, it's been healing for us as individuals and it's given us a platform, uh, to, to invest in the lives of other people. So uh, there's not one sphere of our lives personally and professionally that has not been positively impacted by, by us looking at each other in the car that day on the, on the dock in Cape Town, South Africa and saying, I think we're supposed to adopt. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, it really has shaped your life, your adult life in many, many ways. I mean, I feel like for us, there was before we were adoptive parents and now there's after like life, life changed so dramatically. And like you said, a lot of hard, but to the glory of God, you know, I, I'm really thankful really for who we are continuing to become. I was going to say who we've become, but continuing to become and, the ways God has allowed us to serve other families. So, yeah, I love hearing that. So, what is that? Uh, I'm sorry. Before, what is that? Is is it the Dan Allender book? How kids, children raise their parents? Am I getting that right? I don't know, but I'm I like sure that somebody, title. somebody, <laughs> yeah, so, somebody can 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 correct me on that. I, I believe I haven't read that in a long, long time. But in this book, he makes the point about how how our children are one of the ways that God sanctifies adults. Yes. Uh, and, and I'm like, you don't even have to say, can I get a witness? Cause I'm like, amen. <laughs> Tell them. Yeah. So yeah, for so those of you listening good. out there, I will look up that book and we will have it in the show notes for sure. So yeah, sorry uh, to throw that curve. No, that's okay. That me, so. That's so interesting though. Okay. What do you love about being an adoptive dad? Apart from ministry and work, what do you love personally about being a foster and adoptive dad? Uh, you know what, Lisa, of all the questions you've asked so far, that's potentially the hardest. Mm. Um, because at some point, the, 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 the answer has the potential for sounding self-serving, right? And, and so I, so I, so I don't, I don't mean that, but, but I love watching, uh, my children heal. Mm. Like I, I love, I love seeing them being in a better place. And then I also love, understanding that 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 we were allowed to help them get there that we were allowed to help them get there and that 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 brings me a great deal of satisfaction uh knowing that that there are you know a handful of 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 young men and women on our planet now who who because because god connected their story with ours and equipped us to help them um you know when we first came to this thing we we had the we're going to rescue some kids mentality Fifteen years later, um, our mentality is what a privilege to be allowed to help, you know, and in our son is 18 now, um, has really had to come to terms with a lot of his history uh, in the last few months. Um, it's really kind of collided some stuff in his life. Um, he won't mind me telling you this um, because because it's been a real great time of personal growth for him. You know, how you can you, you can hear the truth, but you don't actually ever hear it unless you're ready to hear it and there's certain parts of his story that we had shared with him that that he just hadn't really come to terms with and so he asked if he could read his case files um a few months ago and we said absolutely if you'd like us to read them with you if you'd like them just have them by yourself he said i'd like to read them by myself and he sat down over the course of a few days and just wrote notes and questions and all kinds of stuff um and so and we go to visit with him 
it was over the course of about two months that we were having frequent, almost daily conversations. A lot of them, um, he, he discovered that he was very angry. Um, and a lot of them involved yelling uh, and crying, um, but all involved in the conversations. But one of the things that happened that is, is all of the anger that he had towards his birth mother, he has now been able to release. And, and so that's really, really beautiful to watch. Um, but also then to watch him actually start to relate to people differently because he's been able to release that. Um, it just, I mean, I, I literally, Kayla and I were talking last night. Like, like, I just really feel so proud of him because of some of the ways that he did that. So I guess the short answer to your question is, well, the thing that I love is, is, under, is, is watching our kids grow into the people they were always supposed to be. Yes, that's that's awesome. Okay, final question, kind of two-pronged okay. question. Okay. What message do you want to pass on to dads who are maybe in process or trying to make the decision about fostering and adopting? And the second half of that would be, what message do you want to pass on to adoptive dads who are in the thick of it? So the first part is um, dads who are, are considering or are in process. Um, I would say to you, get all of the equipping that you can. Uh, and by, by that, I mean, um, re, re, read the right things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we'll start with the connected parents there. Um, you know, that, that, that's an example of a right thing to read. Because there are a lot of books on parenting. Um, and the vast majority of them that I've encountered will give you bad counsel um, in terms of raising kids with trauma histories. And, and understanding trauma and understanding that even if you adopt a, a, a newborn, uh, that is still a traumatic experience for that newborn because that person that they've come to know, whose voice they know, is just gone. And they, and they, and they, and they can't process that loss because they can't understand it. And so things like that, that was a real helpful thing with us, with our daughter we brought home from the hospital, for example, coming to understand that. Um, but, but anything you can do to equip, you, equip yourself in understanding the brain, how trauma impacts the brain, um, how an attachment, how, how relationships are formed, um, that'd be really, really helpful. Now, if you don't want to read those things, here's the only piece of advice that, that you know, in case of emergency, smash glass advice, <laughs> be kind. Um, what, whatever you can do to make sure that your responses are kind, even when they, when you can't find it in yourself, take a couple of deep breaths and, and be kind. And, and, and kindness isn't saying yes. Being kind isn't permissive because if, if I know that there's a party where drugs are going to be um, freely available and my teenager says, I want to go, the kindest thing I can do is to say no. So, so don't confuse kindness with permissive. Don't confuse kindness with permissive. Be kind. Um, and and that's, you know, has helped us in through so many struggles by just us taking a breath and being kind. So I suppose that's advice for both both sets of, of dads there, Lisa. But uh, I would say uh, equip yourself on the way in um, and, and, and understand what, what's going in. Go with, in with your eyes wide open, knowing that there will be struggles. So that's why equipping yourself for those struggles is important. To the dads who are already doing it, uh, I would say um, always remember, um, especially you know, that, that you and your spouse are a team. 
um, that you need to be um, nurture and structure in yourself. Don't play good cop, bad cop. Mom isn't hugs. Dad isn't punishment. Um, mom isn't love. Dad isn't boundaries. Both you and your spouse have to be equally able to do both of those things because the children need um, nurture to feel loved and they need boundaries to feel safe. And so a lot of times, you know, dad will swoop in as the enforcer. Uh, don't be the enforcer on the one hand, but also don't make your wife be the heavy on the other hand. Don't be fun dad. Um, be fun dad, but not at the expense of your wife having to do all of the parenting. You're in this together. And I promise you, gents, that your wife will look at you differently uh, in a good way if she's, if when she comes to understand that you're fully committed to this thing and that you are equipping yourself, you're constantly growing and learning, you're constantly walking beside her, and, and it's not that, that she gets to parent and you get to have all the fun or be the enforcer, but you're doing this together. And from personal experience, uh, the fact that, that I have chosen to do that in our family has certainly strengthened our marriage, um, which is an important byproduct of that, in my opinion. Ryan, I appreciate the wisdom that you're sharing here and the encouragement for dads and for all the moms listening to. This is just um, such an important conversation, I think, that we're having. And you are just newly starting a new project to yeah. support dads. Can you just share briefly about that? And then again, for you listening, we will have all the information in the show notes. So if you're driving, doing something, don't worry about writing it all down. We will have it there for you. Yeah. Lisa, as, as you well know, um, you can search uh, retreats for moms and you'll get a lot, but not retreats for dads. You can, if you go on in social media and Facebook, there are a lot of those, those uh, groups, adoption, foster parenting groups that are, that are that primarily um, moms post in and get resources from, but dads need help too. And, you know, the old joke, wives always say that you know, accuse their husbands of never asking for directions when we're traveling anywhere or, or at reading the directions when we're building anything at home. Um, it, it's part of, and I'm not going to get into the, all of that. Um, but, but, but dads aren't great at asking for help. So one of the things we want to do is create a space where dads can lean on other dads. Um, in, in sort of in, in a private way. So, so we, we were starting something called Empowered Dads Mentoring Group. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the genesis of that uh, the idea um, is your hope circle that you do for moms. Um, you and I talked about this and you said, hey, I think there's, there's a need for this for dads. Um, do you want to do it? And then I said, yes. <laughs> uh, and it's taken a little bit longer to get it in the air than, than I'd hoped. But, but in this group, we're going to, like, like I want to challenge the dads to to do better but i want to challenge the dads to to lean into it more uh to to provide the kind of environment to to help facilitate the kind of environment in their homes where their children can heal where not only the children feel safe but their spouses feel safe as well so so that'll be there'll be discussions in there just throwing questions out there'll be challenges in there there'll be videos um we'll pick some books to go through uh, books that have changed the way i view the world um you know like we talked earlier in the episode, you know, Kayla and I have a company where we have training and classes. So we'll have discounts for the products we have. We'll have some giveaways, like free registrations for classes, free one-on-one -on -one coaching, things of that that nature. And and as as things kind of try to open up more now, um, I have some other ideas, but my wife cautions me that I shouldn't share my ideas in a public forum until they're more than ideas. But um, but yeah, we're excited about that. It's much needed. 
Um, and, you know, we kind of informally do this with a, with a group of dads uh, across the country. We kind of check in on each other and stuff. And so I'm happy to do it formally now. Um, and yeah, just, just really excited about getting, about it being underway. Well, I'm really excited because, you know, as you mentioned, I have the Hope Circle for Adoptive Moms, which is my, uh, a private membership Facebook group, which any of you moms out there listening, I would absolutely love for you to join us. But I get so many moms saying, wow, I love this so much. I wish there was something for my husband. And it happens over and over. And as I thought about that, I thought, well, clearly I cannot start a group for dads. And you were the person who came to my mind. And I'm so happy to see this happening. So I look forward to watching that group grow and I just thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you um, so much for having me on and for everything you do and for all the ways that you inspire Kayla and I. We appreciate you, Lisa. That was a great conversation with Ryan. I really appreciated their adoption story and just how it was both of them kind of from different angles and the way that God just kind of worked in their life to bring adoption to fruition and then just everything that they've learned. And I also appreciated how candidly he just talked about learning how to parent differently and how he really knew nothing coming into fatherhood. And of course, now he's teaching dads um, and mentoring them and what a fantastic journey. Yeah. He and Kayla are just great people to know. So I would just encourage you all to follow them. You can hear more from Ryan on the Empowered Parent podcast, and you can read his thoughts at One Big Happy Home. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram as One Big Happy Home. So pretty easy to find, I would say. You can find links to all of these places to connect with Ryan in the show notes for today's episode, as well as a link to his new Empowered Dads group. So if you want more information on that, You can find it all in our show notes at theadoptionconnection.com slash 138. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, You're a good mom, doing good work, and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.